Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. After experiencing rejection on every front, the Lord Jesus withdrew and a large crowd was still willing to follow him in this rejection. This is the scene where a well-known miracle took place, a miracle that exposes both man's shortage and the Savior's full supply. Ron Kangas is here again. And Ron, we have the well-known story of the Lord Jesus feeding the assembled crowd of thousands with just a few loaves and fishes today. I'm really glad that you could join us for this one. I look forward to our fellowship together. Ron, we've seen earlier that the Lord Jesus was utterly and completely rejected at this stage of his ministry. I wonder if you could take a minute or two just to review the magnitude and the scope of this rejection. At first, the Lord is being criticized for having a meal with tax collectors and sinners in Matthew's house. Then he's rejected and condemned for healing someone on a Sabbath day or allowing his disciples to pass through the field and just to take something to eat. Then this continues until well into chapter 12 when the Lord casts out a demon by the Spirit of God and the religious leaders went so far as to say, you cast out demons by Beelzebub. So they put the Lord together with the enemy of God, with the ruler of the evil ones. Then eventually he had to depart from any kind of natural relationship by the end of Matthew chapter 12. So at this point, the rejection is on every level. It's total. It's extreme. And so now we see the Lord ministering in his rejection, and thousands of people are willing to pursue him, to follow him, and be with him in his rejection. That is the context of this message. Thanks, Ron. We often think of this story just as the matter of a few loaves and a few fishes and how the Lord is able to take that and feed all the thousands. But the context and the backdrop that we're going to see is really an important, critical part of a full understanding of this story. Let's pick it up from the scripture a little bit. And here are a few verses in Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 14. And going forth, he saw a great crowd, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Now when evening fell, the disciples came to him, saying, 
This place is deserted, and the hour is already late. Send the crowds away, that they may go into the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We do not have anything except five loaves and two fish. Of course, we know that the Lord was able to make that amount sufficient. Let's go to Witness Lee with his first portion. When they passed through all this rejection, when they followed the heavenly king, they were happy. There, at the beginning, they did have a good time. Probably, they were happy that even they forgot the matter of eating. It might be Peter, I believe. It should be he. Peter <laughs> reminded Jesus. You see, now it's evening time. The hour has gone. Nearly no one has anything to eat. Don't keep them here. Send them away. Isn't this a good idea? Isn't this a good heart? Very good heart. But actually, what this dear one proposed was altogether based upon the principle of law. Let them go to do something, then they will get something. The Lord, send them away, then they may get the food. Let them do something, then they get some result. This is the principle of all. Law always says, go and do something, then you will get something. But the Lord Jesus stopped this one saying, you give them something to eat. This is grace. This is the principle of grace. Don't ask them to do something, then they get something. That is law. You give them something to eat. This is grace. I'm not Moses here telling people to do something and then get something. The law came through Moses. But grace came with me. The Lord Jesus told this dear one, you gave them to eat. Don't tell them to do. Then the answer was, we don't have so much to give. <laughs> the Lord said, how much do you have? Five loaves and two little fish. The Lord said, okay, give them to me. Whatever you have, give to me. This means whatever you have, you have to offer to the Lord. Don't keep anything. Learn to get away from the commandment of law. Commanding others to do things. And learn to know grace. And learn to exercise grace. Learn to give people in the principle of grace. Well, Ron, I have a praise to the Lord in my heart for our dear brother Peter. It seems that he was always quick to make suggestions that are probably pretty close to the suggestions that most of us would think about making, at least if we had been there in the same situation. This time he makes a simple enough suggestion that outwardly seems to display his concern or compassion for the people. But once again, the Lord seizes this opportunity not only to show Peter something, but to show us all something far more meaningful than just human sympathy or human compassion, doesn't it? Peter is, by his disposition, is always quick. He has something to say. He has something to do. Often he has a direction 
that he may give to others, even to the Lord. Well, there are two things we need to point out regarding Peter in this context. The first is although there is some feeling for this crowd of people that they needed to be sent away now so eventually they can find their way home or find their way somewhere to get some nourishment. But we may see in this program that the principle governing Peter's suggestion is the principle of the law. And that principle is someone is required to do something in order to gain something that one needs. So this is the principle here. The people must act. They must leave, find their way home, or find their way to the place where they can get some food. So this is a suggestion to say the least, that they expend their effort in order to get something they need. Then in addition to this, Peter's concern is altogether in his natural life. So we may speak of any one of us having a good heart. And it seems to have no problem. You have a good heart. You want to help out. You want to do something, you want others to do something, so you have a suggestion on what to do. But it's useless because the source is the natural life. So the Lord, in his interaction with Peter, needs to transfer him, or at least open the way for a transfer, out from the law, the principle of the law, to the principle of grace which is that we do not labor to get something. God, in his grace, supplies us with what we do not have and what we cannot do. And also, Peter needs to realize that he is impotent in his natural life. You have a good heart, but as soon as you're told to feed them, to engage in an act of grace, you feed them, He realizes, I don't have anything. So this is some of the highlights that are before us for us to understand the significance of the background for this famous miracle, but also to be enlightened to see Peter represents all of us. We're all the same. We all need the same ministry from the Lord. Well, Ron, let's stay with this exchange that's going on between the Lord and his disciples. We want to focus on this point a bit more closely in this next section. After they suggested to him that he should send the people away so that they could get something to eat, we come to verse 16, which says, But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We do not have anything here except five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. This is a very profound, very touching word. Let's join Witness Lee once again. When you would exercise grace, you will see you have nothing. When I am under the law, I am blind. I don't know myself. 
When I am in the thou, my poverty was never exposed. But now, when the Lord Jesus said a word of grace, you give them to eat. This gracious word exposes my poverty. Right away, I got to know I have nothing. I have nothing. I only have a commanding mouth with two recurring lips. That's all what I have. I can say, I can command, I can instruct, I can teach, I can tell people, but I have nothing to give. When you are going to exercise grace, your poverty will be exposed. One under the grace will always say, Lord, I have nothing to give. There is a big, big need, but I cannot meet the need. Let's give what we have to Him. Even five loaves, two fish, even so little, good enough. He needs our consecration. Whatever goes out of hand and goes into his hand, this will be a great blessing. Consecrate yourself. Offer what you have to the Lord. Then the Lord will have a way. Once whatever you have, will be consecrated into his hand what he will do. He will not uplift. He will break. Without being broken, our consecration means nothing. It doesn't work. Our consecration could only work by being broken. Anything that falls into the hand of the Lord he breaks. This is not a story. This is a very unveiling doctrine. After he broke the bread, he passed on the pieces, not the whole, the complete bread, the pieces to the disciples, and then the disciples distributed to all the crowds that became the very satisfaction to all the hungry people. All the people got blessed. Today, the principle never changes. What we offer might be just little, but it will be used by the Lord to bless others with a surplus to testify that this is the Lord's marvelous doing. Ron, it seems Peter's word to the Lord once again pretty much echoes what we often tell him when we're faced with the demand, and that is, Lord, I don't have anything, or at least I don't have enough. Ron, what does the Lord's word of grace here to the disciples expose, and also, what does it reveal about the operation of grace? Okay, now we're coming to the crucial matter here. The Lord is now speaking to Peter concerning, really, the principle of grace. That is, you need to supply these people. Don't require them to do something in order to gain something to eat. You give them something to eat. That's grace. Law says, you've got to do something for yourself. Go ahead, do it. Work it out. Grace says... We will provide you. 
So the Lord is now telling Peter to act in grace. You give them something to eat. Then this opens the way for Peter to realize two things, something concerning himself and something far surpassing that concerning the Lord. Peter realizes that's all we have are some loaves and a couple fish. What are they among this huge crowd, thousands of men, women, and children? This is the realization that we really have nothing. When we're under the law, we may think we're able to do something. Eventually, of course, we'll realize we cannot. But when the word of grace comes to us that we should minister according to the principle of grace, then we discover we can't do this. We either don't have anything or we don't have enough. Then this leads to the marvelous revelation that the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the Son of God, is unlimited. The grace of God is unlimited. When the loaves and the fishes are brought to the Lord, he looks to the Father as the source of blessing. Then he breaks the loaves. He gives the loaves and the fish to the disciples. Thousands of people are fed. They're satisfied. And 12 baskets full of fragments remain, indicating surplus, abundance. So here we have a vivid contrast between our total inability to supply something according to the principle of grace to others. Then it leads us to see the Lord himself, his unlimited grace, his abundant supply. There's no limit. It doesn't matter how vast the need is, how huge the number is. The Lord's grace is always sufficient. Thanks, Ron. The matter of consecration struck me. Oftentimes, what keeps us from making a full consecration is that we think we have to bring something great to the Lord, and we don't feel we have anything great. But the whole point here is to just bring whatever we have. That's what he's looking for, isn't it, Ron? This is what the Lord is looking for, and this is what he asks from us, and this is what we're able to do. The Lord is not placing upon us some kind of requirement that's impossible for us to fill. He's not asking us to give to him something that we don't have. All of us have ourselves as human beings, an ordinary common human being. We can present ourselves to the Lord. If by God's creation and our learning through training and education, we have some ability in certain areas, then we offer that to the Lord. But the vast majority of believers are just ordinary human beings who have very little to present to the Lord. But the Lord is not comparing us with others. He's not requiring us to present something that's beyond our capacity. Genuine consecration is presenting to the Lord 
what we have, what we are, and anything that we are able to do or anything we possess, we give to him. It's so simple. We simply need to have the heart to do this and the will to make this decision. Okay, let's go back to Witness Lee. In the pathway to follow the rejected king, we all have to realize what the rejected king is doing here is not just a miracle, but a miracle to feed people. This is a matter of life supply. And this miracle here indicates Christ as the rejected king could render adequate, rich, sufficient life supply to all his followers. He could not only take care of our physical, material needs, he can afford the life supply to satisfy our hunger. Today, we all can testify. After we passed through the rejection, we were short of something, yet he took care. We become short of nothing. Not only so, eventually we don't care for the material supply. We care for what? We care for the life supply to our spiritual hunger. Oh, on the way on the pathway to follow the rejected king, how much we can testify that we are here enjoying what? Enjoying the life supply. We are not only enjoying the life supply by ourselves, we are feeding others. And after all the enjoyment among us, there's still the 12 baskets full. Full supply, full life supply. Well, Ron, this story of feeding thousands with just a few loaves and fishes is often referred to as an example of a great miracle. And surely there's no question about it being such a miracle. But there is a spiritual significance attached to this event that is often missed and even overlooked when the story is spoken of. Ron, what is really being revealed here about the Lord's ability to supply? Well, consider what didn't happen as a contrast. We did not have a situation where everyone there got just a very small portion to sustain them until they got home. That is to eat, somehow to be kept going, but you're still hungry. You're not satisfied. Everyone was satisfied. This is a sign, an indicator of the Lord's abundance, the abundance of his supply. But as we mentioned, there are so many fragments, and they were all picked up and put into baskets, 12 baskets full of fragrance. The number 12 is significant. The point here is that the combination of everyone being satisfied and there being 12 baskets full of fragments shows the Lord's supply is unlimited. 
as we are following him in a desert environment, spiritually speaking, following him in his rejection, we have needs, human needs. The Lord taught us to pray concerning our daily bread, our needs. And he wants us to know that he, the rejected Christ, always, in every situation, has an abounding supply to meet our need in such a way that we are satisfied, then there is so much left over. There's a hymn that comes to mind. One line says, there is always something over when we taste our gracious Lord. This is a revelation of the unlimited bounty, the unlimited supply of our Lord Jesus. So we should be encouraged, we should be motivated to follow him without fear and without anxiety, because wherever he leads us, whatever our need may be in that situation, he will meet it abundantly, we will be satisfied, and there will be a surplus, and the issue will be we praise the Lord and give the glory to him. Thanks, Ron. I was touched by one point that he made here. Not only can we fully trust him to satisfy our hunger, and of course he is taking care of our material needs, but what touched me was that even our concern about the material needs eventually just falls off. And our focus really is on the spiritual aspect, isn't it? Eventually this will become our experience. When we're just in ourselves, and the need is unmet, we focus on it, we worry about it, we can almost be obsessed with it. But when we touch the Lord in this way, we're lifted out of this, and we rejoice in the abundant spiritual supply, and we realize that along with it, our human need, whatever it is, is met in an abundant way. Well, Ron, this message is a very good example of what the life study of the Bible is really all about. And the Gospel of Matthew has provided us many opportunities to see that so vividly demonstrated. It's not just merely a Bible study by learning the stories and the facts associated, but to see into the reality behind the stories is really the blessing of this ministry. And I say that only because I want to recommend again the printed life study volumes that so many of our listeners call ask about, receive, and then tell us how much they enjoy and how much they treasure these volumes. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or email us at radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Matt Miller. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Did you know that you can now enjoy the writings of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee on your PC or Mac, tablet, e-reader, or smartphone? Just go to lsm.org slash ePublications to find out more. 
Again, that's lsm.org slash ePublications. And thanks for listening today.